Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to this week's episode of Thriving Through Menopause with me, Clarissa. And we're going to be talking about a topic we have never talked about before on this show, and that is cannabis. But I think the conversations that have been coming up on this podcast have been talking so much more about integrative medicine. And I really feel that this is something that fits so beautifully into that conversation of how allopathic and holistic and lifestyle and functional medicine is really beginning to come together in this menopause space. So when I discovered today's guests, I was so thrilled that they said yes to come on the show and talk about the work that they're doing around cannabis. They are Dr. Leslie Apgar and Gina Dubay. Welcome to the Thriving Through Menopause show. Oh, thank you so much for having us. It's our pleasure. We are so excited to be here as women in the throes of menopause. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Leslie, you are a OBGYN and a medical director at Greenhouse Wellness, and I'm sure we'll find out much more about that. And Gina, you are an engineer turned entrepreneur, and you've come together around cannabis. I mean, firstly, you know, why cannabis right now? What What is it about, about this that is really sparking so much interest? Well, it was really kind of a innocent conversation that I had with one of my patients who had wanted me to be a medical director on her application to bring cannabis into the state of Maryland in the United States. And Gina being a venture capitalist and an entrepreneur and my best friend, I, of course, wanted to run this idea by her. And that conversation, um, basically the long and the short of it is the gentleman that we were speaking to on the phone from California, uh, mansplained to us about how we would never understand the math about our return on our investment and all of this. And Gina and I looked at each other and we're like, well, we're pretty, Try us. pretty sure we could understand the math, but it became very clear that we weren't going to be taken seriously. And so I left that conversation and apologized to Gina for wasting her time. And Gina didn't really forget the conversation. She decided, I'm going to not get mad. I'm going to get even. So we went online, found the request for proposal, wrote it ourselves in 10 days, and tossed it over the wall. And a year later, we won a dispensary in Maryland. On that particular gentleman did not. Yeah. So, so it worked out. Yeah. We, we, just, <laughs> we decided to bid in a different way because we really wanted to take the science and and treat it as medicine instead of as a recreational endeavor, we really wanted to focus on helping people and meeting people where they they are. And then when we entered the space, we were horrified to see that it was not necessarily anti-female, but it certainly wasn't inclusive to women. It wasn't attractive to women. 
And we said, well, we're women and we know what we want. We know what we're attracted to. And there's nothing in the marketplace that is speaking to that. So we wanted to change that right away. So that was why we designed a whole line of products for women called Placebo, largely for perimenopausal, menopausal, and actually women who are in the menstruation ages. Yeah. So all walks of life for women. So as a, as a board certified OBGYN, I certainly knew what women were complaining about and what they were looking to traditional pharma to solve, you know, a pill for this, a pill for that. And it was mm-hmm. tedious to practice medicine that way because patients didn't want to take ownership of where they were. I mean, maybe they needed to lose 20 pounds. Maybe they needed to think about their diet. Maybe they needed to go outside and see nature. And the bridge to this kind of lifestyle that I had always wanted for my patients has ended up being and the endocannabinoid system. And cannabis is, is a way of supplementing our own primitive nervous system, our endocannabinoid system. And it's, it's the missing link all those years. I knew there was a brain-gut connection, and I didn't know what it was called or what it, what it was. So after we won, where we were like, oh, my God, <laughs> what have we done? Um, we did a deep dive. Gina downloaded a bunch of books from Amazon, and I was looking up all the science, all the research I could find on cannabis and learned. Like, my head exploded. Like, why didn't I get taught this in medical school? Like, how how is this possible that there's this ancient nervous system throughout all of our bodies that I had never learned about? So once we got educated, then it was fun to educate others, other, others in the industry. And we went into this totally differently. We designed the dispensary and all of our interactions with our patients in a place that's safe, discreet, and that our mothers would go to. Um, our dispensary is white leather and crystal chandeliers, and it's very open and warm, staffed with nurses and folks from all walks of life. So when you walk in, there's somebody just like you. Yeah, we're breaking the stigma because unfortunately that stigma is still very prevalent and we wanted to turn it on its head. And we have repetitively, continuously be told we're wrong. It'll never work. You girls don't know what you're doing. And funny enough, like... Seems to be working. Seems to be working out just fine because we're authentic and we're putting out a product that we ourselves would want or that we would want for our mothers or sisters or daughters. And it is incredibly, it's been incredibly well received. So we're very fortunate. Yeah, I love that because it really is flipping. And I think when, I think a lot of people think of cannabis, we're kind of taken down Dutch coffee shops and very bro spaces. And, and that doesn't appeal to us. That's not what midlife women uh, or any woman but particularly midlife women are looking for we're like anything but that that reminds us close to our own children or something something we don't want to be connected in but there are so many tremendous benefits as you say from these drugs and from working and cannabis is more a herbal plant medicine i mean it's ancient medicine Mm -hmm. it is and it's especially ancient in women's health that women have known intuitively and physicians have known intuitively for many, many years that cannabis and derivatives of cannabis were great medicine, especially for the way women's bodies are designed and formulated. And the uterus, for example, has more receptors for CB1, which is one of the receptors that accepts the the cannabis THC molecule than anywhere else in the body except for the brain. So the concentration of those receptors 
is incredibly abundant in the uterine tissue, and as well as the endocannabinoid anandamide. So I think it always blows people's minds when we tell them that they're making their own cannabis every day. It's just not called cannabis. It's called anandamide or 2-HG, 2-AG, but there's a lot of different endocannabinoid molecules that your body's making every day. We're learning more and more all the time with all the new studies, but it, it blows people's minds. And the way I look at it is, is that it's a deficiency in your own endocannabinoid system. It's a clinical endocannabinoid deficiency, which then leads to disease, inflammation, cancers, autoimmune disorders, anxiety, the difficulty we have sleeping. I mean, that's what our patients came to us initially. Um, everybody was having that problem. And as an OBGYN through menopause, those were the two number ones. I can't sleep. Um, it hurts to have sex with my husband. I don't want to have sex with my husband. Um, and then the anxiety, that general sense of, of well-being that is just lost as, as women get um, to a certain age. But it's so interesting because anandamide follows estradiol levels or the most potently active estrogen in our body. So which is it? Is it the lack of estrogen causing these symptoms or is it the lack of anandamide causing these symptoms? I mean, it's so interesting which came first, the chicken or the egg. So it has been an absolute honor and a pleasure to help people balance their bodies, create homeostasis, which is the job of our endocannabinoid system, and using cannabis as a supplement, like a vitamin, to supplement your low levels to get you back into working order, not to get you high. Exactly. That's why women love coming yeah. to us. Nobody wants to be stoned in front of their no. children. No. They want a discreet, <laughs> reproducible medication that allows them to take a deep breath and an exhale and feel physically better. And to sleep. Like Gina, for example, suffered yeah. from... Um, you had ulcers, you had stomach mm -hmm. ulcers. I did. And the unfortunate truth of stomach ulcers is that it feels better when you eat. It soothes the the pain. And Gina yes. and well, Gina was a complete virgin as far as cannabis went when we started this, had never tried it at all. And once gummies or edibles were available on the market, she started taking those for sleep, really. I mean, she just wanted to sleep through the night. And what was the unintended consequence? No more ulcers. And no more medication. How much weight? I lost thirty pounds and I sleep. Amazing! You're putting back what the body naturally produces, mm -hmm. and and then you are back, as we say, back into into balance, right? Which is incredible. So, really, the, what we're saying is that the role or the benefit of cannabis is, is those very. I think common symptoms of perimenopause that often are actually quite hard for just hormone therapy to to work well with. I mean, insomnia and anxiety it can work, but it doesn't always work because maybe we're only touching part of the body's needs exactly. in order to do that. Exactly. And the way I always approach my patients is I approach it holistically. And I try and explain that cannabis is one tool in our toolbox but it's not everything. And I really encourage them to focus on a healthy diet and to focus on getting some exercise and some alone time, some either yoga or some meditation, get out in nature, love somebody. There's lots of ways of activating our endocannabinoid system. Cannabis is a strong one. It's a strong and useful tool, but it's not the end all be all. It's not everything. And then the other thing I tell our new patients into this program is 
that the way I'm going to prescribe this medicine, you shouldn't really feel different. Right. You shouldn't feel different at all. You shouldn't feel altered or anything. But what will happen is in a couple of weeks, you're going to look back and you're going to say, wow, I haven't had any migraines. I haven't reached for my Aleve or my naproxen sodium. I haven't been having as many problems sleeping, but it's so subtle that it sneaks up on patients. And that is the, that's the win right. for me. That to us is a good outcome. Yeah. That you don't feel yeah. altered, that you just feel better. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You feel like yourself, yes. really. Yeah. You start, you start to come back and think, well, the person I'd lost, because often we feel like, oh, hello, who am I in this strange land that is perimenopause? Suddenly we're, we're back to our balanced, well self. And of course, if we are sleeping, and we are feeling some of our, our issues dying down, we suddenly gain more energy. Well, you know, now you're speaking. And we feel better. You're speaking my language. I always say that our resilience is higher if we can sleep at night. We can tolerate our chronic medical illnesses so much better if you're getting a good night's sleep. So it's so yeah. important. It cannot be underemphasized. Good sleep. Plus, menopause causes mm-hmm. it, at least for me, I can say, more anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a natural result of the decrease in hormones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's so funny because women, at least here in the States, are very um, used to medicating with a glass of wine or many glasses of wine. And uh, that's that's (laughs) kind of thing. And while it sure does taste great, it has unintended consequences. It has a lot of sugar, alcohol is really toxic. It has unwanted calories, can really add up. And cannabis is just a very safer alternative that doesn't have the calories associated with it. So we love that you're getting that nice, big, deep exhale, just to take the edge off, but there's no calories. Well, we like that. And of course, alcohol is just hard for the liver to process. I mean, the liver is doing a lot of work in perimenopause and I mean as a Chinese medicine practitioner the liver's a big organ for us we talk about it endlessly and but we're processing all these changing hormones through the liver and if you're adding alcohol to them it's having to work very hard so it's good for our body systems and of course if we you know, do drink wine at night. We tend to fall asleep on the couch and wake up at two in the morning. Yeah. And we're not sure, is that menopause or is that alcohol or is that the two yeah. together? It, it's a chicken. Exactly. And, and it seems to make the problem worse for sure. Cause we know that sleep is disrupted with falling hormone levels and it's also disrupted with alcohol. So cannabis <laughs> will actually get you to sleep through the night. I mean, it's really um, quite astonishing that you take this small dose before bed and you wake up the next morning and you really don't know where you are. You don't think you've moved all night and you feel like you've had the sleep of the dead, the sleep you used to have as a child. And what's happening is it's bypassing REM sleep and it's going right into that stage four, deeply restorative protein synthesis, uh-huh. cellular repair yeah. um, kind of sleep that we don't get as much as we get older. And I can't even tell you how restorative that is, but we have patients who cry and they say, I haven't slept in three years and I just had the best sleep of my life. Mm-hmm. And then they want to tell all their friends and family about it. So truly it's, it's, um, it's education that we need to do. We need to educate yes. people that this is a different and a safer alternative. 
Absolutely. And what form do they take the cannabis in? Is it orally? All of the different or... forms and then the physiology of it and the pharmacodynamics of it, it changes depending on if it is inhaled or put on the skin or eaten or taken under the gums or in the mouth. It, it the, the biochemistry of it is fascinating. And it's a long conversation that we have with our patients about it's different depending on how you take it into your body. And these are the reasons why you might want to take it in these different areas or these different ways. But again, education. And ha- yeah. yeah, but how long do women stay on cannabis? Or is there a, a timeline or as long as you want so to? So we've had patients who've gotten off of opioids entirely by using cannabis or who've gotten off of alcohol or tobacco or benzodiazepines, but all kinds of different sleep agents, all kinds of different medications they've gotten off of with the help of cannabis. And then either they've weaned off cannabis entirely, or they just use it as that glass of wine at night, or maybe that gummy that they take to help them sleep maybe two nights a week or something. They use it sparingly because Gina and I were very attentive about, we didn't want to be trading one vice for another vice, but we have not found that to be the case. But I look at at cannabis as a long-term vitamin supplement that I have a very low dose. I think I take 2.5 milligrams of CBD and then 0.17 milligrams of THC in a, in a little tiny tablet every single day. And I feel like that's going to be my long-term vitamin supplement that I don't see myself getting off of it. Because a lot of people come in and they want the highest THC and that is just not what we espouse, preach, or support. You need a small amount of THC and a small amount of CBD to get the most nutritive and restorative properties of cannabis. It's understanding physiology, though, and that's why we are so different, because when we put placebo on the market, it was a very low potency, and it had CBD in it, and everybody's like, well, that's wrong. You don't know what you're doing. I'm like, well, actually, I sort of did look into the therapeutic index of what THC is and it's a very potent molecule and you don't need very much of it and you guys are doing it wrong like the industry is just doing it wrong and there's one thing that Gina and I are and it's stubborn yeah we're very stubborn (laughs) and we certainly don't care what anybody else thinks about what we're doing we are authentic we're doing it the way that we know to be right the know that the way that we know that we want to ingest the medicine and that our friends and family want to and the industry will figure it out. It's taking them a while, but we're starting to make some headway. Because what we'd find is people yes. that come in are always treating something and they might not even know. But yes, I mean, so really people can take this in the form that works best for them. Is um, It's very individualized. And it's just like really all medicine. I mean, you try somebody on a standard pharmaceutical, a standard dose, and you have to see how they respond to it. I don't think traditional medicine has been as um, accepting of that fact or maybe cognizant of the fact that standard dosing practices don't work necessarily. And so cannabis medicine really lets you individualize and tailor your therapy to the person who's in front of you who may not have read the textbook about what the normal dose looks like. So it's it's been really freeing to practice a I'll call it a better kind of of medicine, one that just feels more inclusive. It's also interesting. We have so many dosing forms. We have pills for those that like pills. We have under the gum tincture or under the tongue tinctures. We have vape pens for an instant onset. We have oil for vaginal 
enhancement. Yes. Okay. Sex life. Ah, you know, the engineer that, has. That, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask. OBGYN has no problem. I have no problem with diving that. into that one. Yeah, but yeah. lots of. But that that's yeah, but that's an area to, that it can be very beneficial as well as yeah. the more emotional, oh, mental. Aspect. Yeah, I mean, sex is a big part of life, especially as we enter the perimenopausal period. And it was always a topic of conversation that my my husband wants me to ask you for a pill, so I want to have sex with them. Is what I would, you know, I'd sit down in front of of a, of a lady for her annual exam with me, and you know, it's it's such a hot button topic. And obviously the vaginal tissue is very hormonally sensitive. And funny enough, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, And so if something doesn't feel good, you shy away from using it and then it doesn't feel good. And so you don't want to use it. It's this horrible circular kind of problem that, that patients run into. And so cannabis does a couple of things. Number one, it reduces your inhibitions. It heightens your nervous sensations, heightens orgasm, makes it easier to have an orgasm. And then when you combine that with the vaginal delivery system, the vagina is a wonderful way of getting uh, medication right into the bloodstream because it bypasses the liver and it's immediate onset. I mean, the vagina has a huge blood supply. It's something that a lot of women are used to using, inserting a tampon or whatever. So inserting a capsule in there that's going to dissolve Um, is really not a foreign concept for patients. But what's awesome is that we have data now. We have studies on on this that have studied the sexual response cycle in women and cannabis and what it can do. And the long and the short of it is that it's kind of like Goldilocks. There's a just right formulation and too much Uh is going to have no effect or inhibit. Make you paranoid. Make you paranoid, but just the right amount of, of cannabis and it doesn't matter which form it's taken, which blew my mind, but cannabis inserted into the body in some way absolutely heightens women's sexual satisfaction and then therefore their partners are happier. So it really can kind of save marriages and, um, and help <laughs> a difficult time in our lives. And quite honestly, I would yes. like to have as many tools in my toolbox as possible for that. Yeah, and that that's an absolute gem, and I think that's the first time I've heard cannabis talked about from a, a sexual point of view. But such a great addition to the benefits it can bring. I mean, I think we hear low libido, painful sex, uh, vaginal atrophy as just common conversation now in this perimenopause and menopause years. So. I love that here is something that can really be part of a toolkit of supporting women because the sex is an important part of our lives. Exactly. Three exactly. C's, cannabis, Chardonnay, and candles. You got it all. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> chocolate. Chocolate works. Chocolate. Oh, yeah. So there's a four C's. We'll, we'll have those down. <laughs> Definitely. Four C's. There you go. Yeah, chocolate's important there. But what would you be saying to women who hear this conversation and go, oh, I'm a bit reluctant. Cannabis still for me is about getting high and it's drugs. What would you be actually telling them in this perspective? Well, it's interesting. For someone who had never tried cannabis, it's like every other drug. 
you don't want to take a drug you don't need, right? But when you need a little bit of help, you take an antihistamine or an Aleve, try it. We advocate going very slow and very low, starting at the bottom echelon. You don't want anybody to have the psychoactive effect and get frightened, quite frankly. You want a tiny little toe in the water, and then you normalize or regulate what works for you. Mm-hmm. And this is ancient medicine. This isn't new. Humans have known intuitively about hemp, which is just cannabis with with higher CBD and lower THC. It's the same genetic plant. It's not like two separate plants. We've known about it for years, and we've incorporated it into our lives forever. It's always been growing wild outside of human installations all over the globe for thousands and thousands of years. We fed it to our livestock, and then we then ate the livestock. So we were getting the supplements of those uh, phytocannabinoids from the from the plant. But it's almost a perfect food. You can eat the seeds. You can use the stalks for fiber, um, for ropes, and they used to make sailcloth out of it. It was a part of our lives. They actually insisted, the original 13 colonies in the States, they insisted that the homeowners grow uh, acreage of hemp because it was so valuable. So it's really kind of like we're we're rediscovering lost knowledge and lost medicine. And you got to look back on why cannabis was made illegal, which was a shock to me from the mother who said, don't do drugs, mm-hmm. everything. Big Pharma has stepped in. And, you know, you, you have Epidiolex and all the other stuff that's imitation cannabis. Why? Big Pharma has regulated it out. Yeah, and it's it's all political. Yeah. You know, the funding from the certain politicians came from people who had a, a vested financial interest in keeping cannabis off the market. And on Schedule 1. On Schedule 1, which is so insane that it has no medical like value. Like cocaine or heroin. Yeah, or... like ecstasy. I mean, it's, it's insane. Crazy. So it, yeah. it's just... And it's unfortunate because it's going to be a a tangled ball of yarn to unwind for sure. It's the right thing to do. And with with knowledge becomes power. And our job is to empower women wherever we go. And share knowledge. And share knowledge and teach. So... That's the game. I I like that. Well, we we just sit here in Sweden and think, oh, Lord, is this ever going to change here? Because, you know, the restrictions are so immense. We're one of the last countries in Europe where you can't even have it for personal recreational use. Which is shocking because Sweden is so, um, like, out there with everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but... Mm-mm-mm. Not and they're even restricting TCH, just load stuff. I mean, it's it's a minefield, and I feel very sad about that because I can see things changing in the US, the UK, Australia. Obviously, vast swathes of of mainland Europe are mm-hmm. very pro mm-hmm. uh, and decriminalizing it for personal use as well. So we are seeing tremendous steps forward but not here (laughs) yeah well it'll come because the people will speak and it it really does carry a life of its own at some point that the the population especially women i mean we when we lift up women we lift up societies and empowered women empower women and so we really want to keep that that ball rolling and have it gain momentum and energy but education is the key it's not what people think it is. I guess that's what I would tell people. It's not what you think it Agreed. is. Let me educate you and help you understand what it really is. Yeah. And I think just in this conversation, we've heard just how really it's 
our bodies make these these chemicals that they need them in order to be well and that is is a much more powerful message than it's some sort of external thing you're always taking into your body mm-hmm. if you were to speak to my listeners and say how do you get they or they ask how do you get started with taking a pro- a product a cannabis product what would your advice be so i think the safest thing to do is to take a pill or to, to eat it in a very small quantity thc is is intoxicating and so you have to be careful with thc and and i think that i i would link cannabis medicine to ayurvedic medicine where a little dose is medicine but a big dose is poison it's like that with a lot of medications that we take, obviously. Moderation is key, correct? So to start very, very low, I would say maybe a milligram of THC and then as much CBD as you want. I mean, CBD is not a chemical that you become tolerant to like you do with THC and it's not something that can hurt you. So if you found a 10 to 1, say 10 parts CBD and one part THC and you took that every day, you would do quite well. I would always recommend that in starting very low, that you take that maybe on a Saturday or a Sunday where you don't have anything to do just to make sure that your body doesn't react strangely to that. I happen to be very sensitive to THC. I have she's, no sensitivity She's the opposite. And it has to do with <laughs> whether or not we have certain enzymes in our liver that process these medications. I apparently <laughs> have a lot of those enzymes. Gina, maybe not so much. I but, got nothing. Yeah, well... Uh, so <laughs> I can take 10 times what she yeah. takes and feel nothing. Yeah. So everybody's got to start at their own pace. Right, right. And go slowly. Yeah. And then understand that cannabis is not necessarily smoking or vaping. That's what our, that's what our supposition is. When we say this word cannabis, yeah. people think of these tawdry smoke shops and bongs and joints and things like that. And yeah, that is some of it, but that is not the best way of getting the medicine into our bodies, nor is it the safest but we've learned to meet people where they are. There are mm-hmm. some people that have grown up and that's the only way that they're comfortable medicating. And so we understand that. But to vape cannabis is, and this is coming from a doctor, to vape cannabis is actually a very safe delivery system. And it's almost immediately in your bloodstream and active. So for people that have chronic pain or are very anxious and need help right now, to vape cannabis that's been grown and processed and tested, right? Yes, and we yes. know that it's safe. Yes, it's yes. an incredibly meaningful way of delivering that medicine. And you can tell. You can take one draw. You know how you feel right. immediately. So right. it isn't like you're going to overdose. Right. You can stop right there. Right. Yes. Right. And yeah. you should see these conversations that I have with these 90-year-old women about how to use a disposable pen and inhale. And it's just absolutely hysterical and doing it with COVID and Zoom calls where oftentimes the patient is showing me their belly button because they don't know how to work a camera. And it's just absolutely like things that came out of my mouth. It, it just, you would never believe these conversations are coming from both of us, like the way that we try and help patients, but trying to teach them how to inhale from a vape pen is just, it's legendary. I mean, it's just like, not something I ever envisioned no, doing. Just no. saying. No. No. 
I love yeah. that. But I will say, I think this, I will say it, ahead, it's the most impactful medicine I've ever practiced. And I used to deliver babies wow. and that's pretty impactful, right? Bringing new life into the world. Yeah. But the yes. amount of suffering, the amount of tragedy, the amount of bravery uh, that I have seen in our patient population is I have no words for right. what our patients go through and, and the role that cannabis has played in improving patients' quality of life cannot be understated. It just, it's been, it's blown my mind what I've seen cannabis do for our patients. We have 3,000 active patients and to a person, they've come in and just said, thank you, which is the most rewarding thing for me as an engineer, never having really interacted with people mm -hmm. so much. So mm -hmm. yeah. this is different mm -hmm. and fabulous. Mm -hmm. It really is fabulous because I think that it really shows that it's making a difference. And as you're right, Leslie, people are just struggling and suffering needlessly when there is help to be had. Yes. I've loved this conversation so much. It's given some insight and some great science too. Uh, into cannabis and how it can be really part of a holistic approach to managing perimenopause and menopause. Where can my listeners find out more about you, your products? Well, we have a variety of ways. We have a dispensary in Maryland called Greenhouse Wellness. You can check our website. We also have a book out called High Heels, and that's H-E-A-L-S, it talks about our journey. It also talks about cannabis for women, the things that we believe in. And finally, we have a line of products for women called Blissiva, and that's B-L-I-S-S-I-V-A, a combination of bliss and sativa that is designed specifically with women in mind. That is fantastic. And we will put all that information into the show notes so listeners can find that and connect with you. Thank you so much Thank you. for your open-mindedness and exploring this particular topic. And thank you for your commitment to lifting other women up. I mean, you are, exactly. you are exactly our kind of people. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for coming and sharing so much knowledge. I'm so grateful. And, and listeners, check out these products, if, especially if you're new U.S. or, or in a country where this is legally possible for you to do. Absolutely. This is part of the future of modern medicine. Yes. So thank you, Leslie and Jean. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that, because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.